When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The radio show that knows truth is always stranger than fiction. Week Monday, I get shoes. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Because they're too real to be part of my imagination. On Talk Radio. Cream, right? And I'm just realised I'm doing air guitar, uh, air drums, in front of the daughter of the bloke who's actually playing drums on that. What an idiot! What an idiot! Jeez! I'm so thrilled. We've got Nettie Baker in. Good evening, Nettie. Hello. How are you doing? You're right. Good, thank you. I feel like I know you intimately. <laughs> Because I've read your dirty little book. <laughs> it's a great book, Tales of a Rockstar's Daughter. And we'll say it, and we'll get it out of the way. Ginger Baker is your dad. That's right. One of... Oh, dear. The greatest drummers in the world. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, would you say one of, or would you say the? I suppose it depends if he's in the room with you or not, doesn't it? Yeah, probably, but yeah. it's hard to say. My brother's pretty good, I have to say. Oh, really? Yeah. Kofi Baker. Have, but, you, uh... have you got any musical? No. <laughs> oh. Zero. But I'm sat here playing air drums in front of Nettie. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? Um, Catherine Boyle is here. Good evening, Catherine. I am, yeah. I'm not playing air drums. The book is Tales of, a Ro- Tales of a Rockstar's Daughter by Nettie Baker. And we're gonna, I've, I've tweeted the link earlier. I'm going to tweet the link again. So if, if, if you want to find it, I will tell you where to get it. Uh, if you want to call in and talk to Nettie about the book, about her dad, 0344 499 If you want to phone in and just talk about anything, that's, that's the vibe we've got here, Nettie. They can call in about anything. I loved your book. Thank you. Someone, God bless the person who told me about it on Twitter. I don't know who it was, but someone said, Nettie Baker's got a book out. You should you should get her on because it's a really good read. And I loved it, right? I love my rock star biographies. I love my books about the Beatles and the Monkeys and yeah, the Who. Me too. I, I love too. all of that. Yeah. Um, and I expected this to be about cream and about your dad and all of that. And it's not. It's really interesting. You've not read it yet, Kathy. No, You're going to have it afterwards because it's great. It's about... A teenage girl struggling with a parent's divorce and struggling with boys and sometimes the family got money and sometimes they're, they're a little bit skin. And in the background is one of the most famous rock stars in the world. And he pops up from time to time. But it's about you. It's about you as a teenage girl in the 70s and the 80s. Was that always the decision to write the book about you? Well, no, it was. it's diaries. It's just. Yeah. It's just my diaries. I kept a diary and then... You know, my mum always used to say, you know, especially in those 80s times, you know, she used to, the Lady Bracknell thing, you know, yeah. I always kill when I want something sensational to read on the train. And my mum used to say, the pages are smoking and it's written in purple <laughs> ink. And, uh, you know, it's just like my daughter does the same now. And when she reads me her diaries, they're absolutely oh, hilarious really? about things she got up to. I had no idea, you know. 
the allotments and stuff. So, I went and go. On, but, on. What, what, I know we're not here to talk about your daughter. <laughs> but what's thrilled. What, what, I live opposite an allotment. Now. What, <laughs> what happens in allotments? I think they, they, all the teenagers broke into one of the sheds and used it as an illegal drinking den, Oy, you know, as they do. Guys, come into my house. Come on. Come, on, <laughs> come and do it somewhere safe and warm. I won't even be in the same room. That doesn't but, sound weird at all. No, I don't want to perv over them. I just want... <laughs> I remember being a teenage drinker and a drug taker and you don't... We do it in the park. You know, mm. go and, come and use my living room. I don't care. I'll be upstairs sleeping. Well, in my day, of course, you know, it was well, not drugs, but drinking was you could do it when you were underage. Yeah. No one really said anything. Yeah. So Everyone knew the pub to go to, didn't they? Well, yeah, exactly. And that's what there's quite a few of them in there. But well, you were the, no one asked you. You were really. the tall one in your I group. was the tall so one. So you were the one that was, was, was going to the offie and getting yes, served in pubs yeah. and things. Yeah. I mean... Does that still? I mean, because I was the tall one, so I would be the one at, at fifteen that would go to the I don't know even if I'm allowed to say what my daughter told me they did to get served. Go on, I want to read your. All right, well, tell book. us what someone you don't know might have done. <laughs> she won't care. Well, she might if her workmates are listening. No, they won't. Um, <laughs> she said, you know, the girls would like be friendly with each other in front of the shopkeeper, and that's oh. how they get it. I oh, said, uh, Mark, we would never. It wouldn't even cross my mind to do that. <laughs> Lesbians didn't exist in the 70s. Well, they and the did, 80s. but we would never have crossed our minds that we would. As I said in the book, it wasn't until I listened to like Bernie Taupin's lyrics on Yellow, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road that we sort of realised there was more going on in the world than we, you know, we were, we were very innocent then. Yeah. I'm sure not everybody was, but yeah. in the circle that I was in, we were very innocent. It's an incredible ride, this whole story. Um, it's quite a dysfunctional family. I think that's a, that's a polite, <laughs> yes, modern way of, of saying that everybody was effed up in your family. Okay, so you, so uh, 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 at what point were you born? How old were you when your dad became famous? Or was he already famous before you were born? No, he was, you know, a struggling jazz musician. Right. He was on the jazz scene and he's older than Eric and Jack. So yeah. he was, you know, going down Archer Street, which is where they all went to you know, get work, sort of like the Dockers or something, you know, and then they'd be picked. Yeah. And then he got, wow. you know, known and he was in, you know, played with Acker Bilt and Chris Barber and Terry Lightfoot and all those bands before he started getting into, you know, meeting Alexis Corner and people like yeah. that and then had the Graham Bond organisation. They were massive. Yeah. But they didn't sell records. They Good, were all big live draw. Huge live draw, influence on like Ian Jury, Steve Winwood, people like that. Yeah. And they were on tour with the Moody Blues, the Who... So they knew all those people, but they were huge live, and then but they just weren't selling records. And how old would you have been then? Well, when Cream, I really don't like everyone knowing how old I am, but I've sort of given it away. Come on, I pretend that I'm not. You know, I'm 25, and that's it. But <laughs> I, when Cream formed, I was five. Right. But it was a very vivid time, so that's why I have very vivid memories of it. And what was the vibe like in your house? When it was cream. always bad. Was it? <laughs> but cream was, you know, the that was the fun bit, having people like, you know, before uh, Eric came along, Jack was in Grand Bond for a while. Yeah. And so Jack would come down from Scotland and stay the night on our sofa. And my mum used to look after him. And so Jack was there. And then we had people round him, you know, photographs. And then they'd do loads of photographs of me, which, of course, I loved it. Yeah. And then, you know, you might meet the Moody Blues and go somewhere and sit on their laps, you know. It was so exciting. And then, like, Eric coming round. I, you know, had a big crush on Eric. Did you really? Even as Scott a little girl? Scott Walker. I remember chatting up Scott Walker when I was about four. He looked a bit worried. But <laughs> <laughs> I was always thinking, where's the party? I'm having a good time. Because the actual home life was not 
good. And was it not? And if I ask, you, I mean, you pretty much reveal everything in yes, here, so I yeah. feel I can ask anything. But yeah. if we ask anything that's inappropriate, tell us to jog on no, and we'll move okay. on. But what, was it not good between your mum and dad yeah. from early doors? Yeah, because, you know, my mum was always a bit strange, a bit aggressive. Right. And my dad found that very attractive, but it sort of went wrong. Mm. And I think she had really had an undiagnosed mental illness that we didn't find out till before she died, really. Right. But we did know, but we tend to enable it by not getting her to do something about it. Okay. And then, of course, my dad, you know, he thought that was attractive, a bit of a mad woman, uh, but she couldn't cope with the, what was happening. So it was just a very volatile there were two people. The dynamic was really violent and it got very, very violent. What, what was her mental illness then? Did it get diagnosed well, before she passed? Before she died, they said she had an undiagnosed personality disorder, which right. apparently, if you don't get it under control by the time someone's 20, you can't do anything about it. Okay. So she, she basically had depression, yeah. but she wasn't manic because I never really saw her up. So it was sort of... She would be agoraphobic. She would be aggressive. She wasn't like it all the time. No, no, no. But you, she was dodgy. And then he just made it ten times worse. He's famously nuts. I mean, that's that, isn't it? I've and I, I'm aware I'm still talking about your dad, but I, I've seen the Beware, Mister Baker. <laughs> And he, he, you were telling me that was kind of, he got off lightly in that yes. film. He, he is, um, I mean, he's a genius, right? He's a genius. He, he, what what he can do with rhythms and, you know, and, and, it's, and the thing is, it's not just rock. Like you say, it's jazz, African music. He excelled in a, in a way that very few white percussionists have been able to do. I mean, he, he's, he can work magic. But famously, very difficult man to, to work with and, and to live with as well, I would Yes. Well, I always say that, you know, being, you know, really highly talented and a nice person is not mutually exclusive. It it doesn't mean anything. I mean, mm. there's loads of people that we would, you know, when you meet your heroes, you didn't like them. But you don't have to. You can just get the art and all the yeah. people, you know, oh, he, he's terrible. He's awful. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, you can just put the record on, groove on down. It's not in your house. <laughs> So oh, you know, I, I want my rock stars to to have a darkness about them. As long as they're not off, you know, raping people, I want them to have a darkness about them and a and an, an eccentricity. That's what, that's what I want. Which is fine as long as you don't have to try and live your life. Yeah, yeah. With someone very very dominant. So what happens is their life colours everything you do and everywhere you are, and your identity goes away. Yeah, because they're making money for someone, they're kind of enabled by that, aren't they? As long as you, as long as I give him what he needs to make me some money, I don't care what he does or how he behaves. Yeah, yes, very much so. I think. Um, you, when your parents split, you stayed with your dad, mm -hmm. and your siblings stayed with your mum. Is that right? Yeah, although it was a bit. It sounds very, yeah, it sounds, how did that come about? How did that d division get made? Well, I'm much older than them, so right. they could not, you know, they had to have a parental control. I was 18 by then, so I could do what I liked. Yeah. Or 16 when it started to go a bit. So I was off, and I feel a bit bad because I did abandon them to, you know, once Your mum's illness. Yeah, and so it was quite bad for them. But, you know, I didn't want to tell a story that's, you know, no. like everybody get the violin out. I wanted to tell a story where, you know, let's, let's find this funny because, you know, looking back, it was funny. Was it funny? Because there is, there is a darkness with, with, with you saying your mum was ill. That actually makes a lot more sense to some of the stuff in there. Your dad, um, you know, financially up and down, obviously um, involved with heroin, which mm. is not, not a fun drug, not no, one of not the fun really. ones. It's not. Um, but there is a brilliant kind of sense of humour in this, this book. Was it, was it fun? 
growing up? Oh, you know, it was interesting, and that's the sort of person I am. You've just got to make it. So I yeah, worked really hard to enjoy myself. Mm. And as it sort of says in there, there's a whole fantasy life going on at the same time. So yeah. whatever I'm reading or whatever I'm into, you know, I'm not really in reality, I don't think. But I that's think about I'm, survival, though, isn't it? I think I, don't, I never thought of it like that myself. You just, that's who you are. Mm. Yeah. And so there was always this, you know, everything was going to be fantastic in a minute. You know, Prince Charming was going to come along and it was all going to be great. So... So yeah. I think that's how I cope with it. Yeah, there was a, it was just a fantasy life going on at the same time. How did the Prince Charming thing work out? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> there have been a lot of them. There were, a lot of them were quite nice, but, you know. You meant, you they meant, were very you... handsome. Sorry, I'm just getting my pen out because I keep, I keep remembering bits that I want to ask you. One, one bit, you mentioned Prince Charming. You're hanging out with Prince Charles a lot. Yes, we were. And friends with Sarah Ferguson. Yes. That was a surprise. I didn't see that coming. She's one of your favourites, isn't she, Sarah Ferguson? I've got got a soft spot for Sarah Ferguson. I really, I've always thought she was wonderful. She was very nice. But I mean, I bumped into her again. Well, I didn't. I mean, I was standing near her somewhere, but I don't, she had no clue who I was and I didn't say anything to her (laughs) in about 2005. So she's probably forgotten me. But this was all because of how do this is what I don't get. How do so many sixties rock stars end up playing polo? We talked about Kenny Jones. Kenny Jones called yep. got a polo ground. Yeah, I didn't realise your dad was into polo, and and that led to you working for a long time with horses. That well, seems strange. Stuck into that, I didn't really want to be do that, but there was I had no choice in the end. What, just... did, what did you want to do? <sighs> well, I think I wanted to be an actress. Yeah, <laughs> and but then I ended up in the wrong stage school. So I had to, I did a lambda exam when I was like ten. Yeah. Uh, but then we ended up. I ended up at ballet school, so I was doing classical ballet. But I was never good enough to be a ballerina. Right. Uh, so I think I wanted to do something more, you know. And I was writing then. I was writing yeah. all the time, millions of hilarious poems and. You know, just stuff that you just write and write and write. That was a, so, a brave move, putting the poems in teenage poetry in a book. <laughs> that's brave. They were great, but that's still a brave thing <laughs> to do. Well, I was a bit careful about, you know, it had to be like up to a certain standard. <laughs> oh, you mentioned the diaries. Yeah. So, because you, I, I, it's interesting you said that, because you do sometimes go into amazing detail like on the Thursday, we went down to this pub, and this this song by Shawadi Wadi was playing on the jukebox. And then Steve came over to me and said, "Is that all in the diary, or is there a little bit of?" No, magic most in... of it is in the diary. How funny! A lot of it's reported conversations yeah. on days because I kept them all, so I just went through them and then worked it into that. And what was that like going through the diaries? Was that fun? Was that traumatic? Some of it is. In fact, you know, book two, whenever I read that, is quite traumatic for me, although it's sort of the best time in my life, but also quite traumatic. So I do find that quite cathartic. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's brought people out the woodwork that I haven't spoken to for 40 years and things like that. So we should say weird. This, this is, this, you're telling me this is book one. This stopped, yeah. when does it stop? 1985, I think. 1984, Four. going well, into 85. Yeah. New um, so New book two is going to come out. Is that coming out? You got a date for that yet? No, I haven't, but I presume that it's going to come out in the spring or summer. And so who's come out of the woodwork then? Who, 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 what, what friends, in inverted commas, that you've not seen for decades have gone, <laughs> oh, Nettie's well, got a book out. There's, there's, a, there's a, a boyfriend in there. There's a boyfriend in there called Max, and he. I hadn't spoken to him. I split up with him 40 years ago. 40 years ago, he was my boyfriend, and he phoned me up. No. And that was... What was he I after? Mean, well, I'd been talking to his brother for Unfinished a while business. on Facebook. Right. 
And, uh, and I kept saying, I'd like to just tell him this is happening. And then because he was a guy through who I met Billy Bragg, he was a mate of Billy Bragg's before Billy Bragg so, was an, famous. It's another riffraff, isn't it? Yeah. The band? yeah. Yeah, they were great. It's another. I'm, I'm jotting all these things down because there's so much I want to ask about. Let's take a quick break. We're talking to Nettie Baker. The book is Tales of a Rockstar's Daughter. I'm going to tweet the links and things in a bit. You're not on Twitter as yourself, but you run Ginger's. Yeah, my daughter runs the Ginger Baker right. Drums or something Twitter account. Yeah, so Ginger B Drums, I think yeah. it is. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Late Night Alternative, Ian Lee and Catherine Boyle. We're joined by Nettie Baker for the first hour of the show. Tales of a rock star's daughter. You can get it on Amazon. I'm going to tweet a few more links. Is the book. It was Graham, Graham Campbell, that told me I should get oh, you on right. the show. Thank you, Graham. He said, that was me. I've been really looking forward to this interview. Um, uh, Lane said about the song that we played well Lane that language is inappropriate effing legendary song just to calm down um, and Carl is saying Nettie's great thank so you, you you got some fans <laughs> so Billy it's one of those books Catherine and you, I think you're going to love it right where um, we mentioned Prince Charles and Sarah Ferguson just pop up you're like flipping it where did that come from <laughs> is it when Prince Charles was hot <laughs> what am I saying? What are you making me say? <laughs> Prince Charles was lovely. You, did you get to speak to, you got not to, speak re- to him? No, not, well, not really, because I was at a ball where he was. Right. Before he was with, um, you know, Lady Di, he was with her sister. Oh, was Lady Di still gets me. Sarah Spencer, right. the, the really skinny one. And yeah. that's who he was with when I was at a ball and he was happened to be on the same dance floor. And yeah. then later I was taking some horses. Someone, one of the pa- players said, can you take some horses down with all the grooms? And I happened to be taking the horses at Prince Charles was riding yeah. but he I don't think he spoke probably thought who's that groom in the wellies or nothing but who's so that, I never actually who's that bit of rough but I was basically <laughs> like in, know. you know in this amount of proximity with yeah. him just yeah. doing stuff and um, the lovely Billy Bragg who lovely you Billy were because and we we love Billy Bragg on this show he's been he was so kind to he gave us so much time and chatted away to us and stuff and he's uh he's, he's, he's written a book about Skiffle that was it that was why we had him on he had his book about Skiffle which was great but you kind of knew him when he was in like a pub band. Yes, doing riff the cir- riffraff doing yeah. the circuit. So how did you how did you meet him? Is it well, just... I met him through this boyfriend right. Max, who he just said, "Oh, you know, let's go and see this band riffraff with my mate Billy." So we used to just have a drink with him at the bar, and I thought they were great. Yeah. And they had a really good song called uh, "My Side Was a Write Off." That was my favourite one. But he had the <laughs> cosmonaut, "I Want to Be a Cosmonaut" or whatever yeah. single out, but which I bought, and we had a I had a badge. And then, then they did a gig supporting the Skids and the Stranglers at Peterborough. Mm. So this was before I was a punk. And the Stranglers, and I was um, a bit, ooh. the Stranglers, uh, that was that your first punk? It gig? was really, yeah. And the flobbing was a bit, yeah, wow, <laughs> terrifying. But I actually watched the Pill film film today about you know, oh okay, John Lydon because they sent it to me as a screener. And uh, he, there's one where Pill he's having loads of problems with it, so it was a big thing at that time. So I, I thought that was a myth. What about flobbing? The flobbing, but it happened. Yes, it did happen. Dirty buggers. It was unbelievable. I mean, Uh, he was just going, can you stop? I can't play my guitar because it's just all over the guitar. uh, I I was like, what the hell's going on here? I just could not believe it. Imagine the amount of TB floating through the air at those. No wonder punk didn't last. They were all dying (laughs) off. How dare you? It's still going. (laughs) But you, did your dad like the punk? No. Seen he hated it. Because no. they weren't playing their instruments properly, that kind of vibe, was it? 
Yes, he yeah he was most scathing about them. That's really. funny because I, I you you would think I mean because I know that the Who, at Townsend in particular, Doug Punk because he liked that 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 energy. He liked of it. the raw fury. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose you're, was your dad trained or was he self-taught? Well, he was self-taught, but he did teach himself to read music and all the rest right. of it. So he you know he completely can arrange and compose and wow. do things that drummers most drummers can't. Yeah. Or, you know, normal rock drummers because he was before them. Yeah. You know, like Keith Moon and John Bonham looked up to him. Charlie Watts is a great friend of his who looked, they looked up to him and he was the one they looked up to. So he was before them. Yeah. So, you know, people get that wrong and go, oh, he said nasty things about them. But as he says in the film, if they were here, ask them. And if you asked them, they would say, you know, like Kit Lambert said when Keith Moon was really ill, he's really bad. Can you go and speak to him just before he died? I think he'll listen to you. Wow. But he said, oh, I was doing my own thing. And he didn't go. But Nettie, you're, you're wrong. People on the internet know more about what happened in the 60s and 70s than you yeah. or yes, your I've dad. Noticed. All right? Yes. And they're they... going to explain it to you. <laughs> <They're> gonna... <laughs> and they frequently do. <laughs> They're going to tell you exactly what your dad was thinking, even though you could phone him up and ask. Yeah. It's, it's nuts, isn't it? The, they say like, something, and you say something, and somebody said, and so-and-so told me this, and he was in Neasden. I said, in my house. <laughs> he was in my house. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A new kind of talk radio. We'll get you talking. Hello, I'm Jamie East. Now, as well as being on talk radio every afternoon between 1 and 4pm, I've just started a brand new podcast that I wanted to tell you about. It's called Talk Film. We've got interviews with the big stars like Martin Freeman, Tandy Newton, Josh Brolin, loads of them. And also all of the reviews of the week's big releases. There's a new episode every Thursday, available through Apple Podcasts and your favourite podcast app. Just search for Talk Film and give it a whirl. If you like it, please hit that subscribe button. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Tales of mystery and imagination on the radio show that does things differently. Dolly Parton, I listen to a record that they love. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I'm a nutjob, but not that kind of nutjob. On Talk Radio. Honest to God, it's the new Breaking Bad. Oh no. We've got a phone call. You might want to put your headphones right, okay. on. We've got um, Cleo. Good evening, Cleo. Hello. I'm sorry for the swear word. Uh, outrageously, vol- we will not have swearing online. Let's keep the internet clean, for goodness sakes. What? I bloody love cream. Oh, we're we talking um, about the band here, or we I know, you're, we know oh, you're a big yeah. lad. I don't know. If... I'm a big, I'm a big fella. Yeah. Uh, but your dad is—he probably is the best one ever. Mine, uh, mine. He can't, he can't play drums. <laughs> not I'm not talking to you. You know I'm not talking to you. <laughs> right, okay, go on. Then. Uh, just, I think there's like him and Mitch Mitchell from Hendrix. You probably couldn't touch your both sort of. That jazz period who brought it into the mainstream and into the rock and is like this, oh. Is this your way of proposing to Nettie, Cleo? Because <laughs> that's a weird way of going about it, man. From from what I gather, though, I think, like, well, you know, the tradition of going via the father. I don't think <laughs> very, <laughs> very good. 
I might, get a, I might get a walking stick to the head or something. <laughs> you might get something. Have you got a question I or you just, you just phoned in to uh, suck up? <laughs> a bit of both. Go um, on. Do you, what was the, the documentary about your dad, was that accurate or was it? Um, She's raising her eyebrows. We, we, we kind of touched on this briefly. Yes. It's a great film. If no one sees it, beware Mr. Baker. It's, beware it's, Mr. It's, Baker, yeah. it's, it's so well done. Jay did a good job. You're saying he got off lightly in it, though. He was, well, it was a polite version, I right. think. They were very, he was very kind. Yeah. Because <laughs> the thing is, I've got a friend who used to run gigs in the northeast called Jeff Doherty. And he did, he set up a gig for your dad in Sunderland, a place called the Locarno North. Oh, are you phoning um, him because he owes, he owes money or something? <laughs> what is this? Well, it's not bad. He said it's, it's like he, he managed to get the Who to play there and all these bands who would never ordinarily play Sunderland. And he got the uh, aeroplane to play there. Oh, Air Force. Other Air Force. Air Force. Yeah. Air Force, that's yeah. what it was. It was yeah, helicopter aeroplane. Air Force, wasn't it? Um, but anyway... Um, what, is, there, is there a point to this call, Cleo? Because I've got, I've got some brilliant questions I want to ask Nettie because I've read the book. So either, either get to it or naff off. Apparently they got so wasted. Ah, uh, yes. The gig. Half the band didn't turn up. And Ginger's got to do a fight. Yeah, well, that sounds, you know, that sounds more and more like it. If, the other book that I wrote was his autobiography called Hellraiser. <laughs> and you can get that on Amazon. And that will tell you a few things about that band. I'm going to have to get that because I've yeah. not read that. There's, um, uh, all joking aside, your dad was, you know, he was a heroine. Addict yes. in the seventies. Yep. What was uh, while you were living with him, or was that after you'd moved out? Well, no, I mean he first took heroin in the summer that I was conceived. Oh wow! Okay, right. So he was a registered addict from nineteen sixty to sixty six. Yeah, and then he, oh, I can't remember which way round, but he like had twenty nine attempts to get off it or mm. something over seventeen years or seventeen attempts in twenty nine. I don't know one of those two. And he didn't get off it till 1982. Mm. How did he get clean in the end? Well, he went to Italy. Right. And then he was away from it. Yeah. He said he'd managed it before for a long period, but he said, unless you've gone two years, you're not, you're not yes, straight. Yes, it's still going on. And then he, uh, after, you know, by about 10 years ago, then because he'd got this degenerative joint disease, he was very keen to get back on prescription morphine, which is now he's on, so he's happy. <laughs> And we laugh, you know, because, hey, rock stars doing heroin in the 70s, but you were a young woman. Yeah. That, must have, that must have been horrendous, seeing your dad passing out in his meal. I mean, it must have been awful. Well, it wasn't horrendous. It's just really irritating. <laughs> Can't get anything done. Well, they just become, you know, complete prats. Yeah. People who are stoned, I've got this thing about it, you know. Mm. I can tell, you know, like when I've been working in shops and they go, oh, someone's on the nick. Yeah. I go, there, it's a junkie. Yeah. It's a junkie. It's like, how do you know? It's like, I can tell them a mile off. They speak a certain way. They act a certain way. You can tell. And I just want to kill them. Uh, do, do you know what? He was I, really irritating. I, was, I used to use a lot of drugs, and I've, I've, I'm in recovery. And, and you, you can tell when someone's on, on something. There's just a, there's a, there's a darkness. There's a, particularly if it's coke. It's you just, always say you can tell if someone's holding it. Oh, I know if someone's got coke in a room. I can walk into a room, and I know if someone's got it. Cause <laughs> well, I don't. You, you, I just, got, my my antenna. Clear. I wouldn't know. Your dad I... would know. You, you, this this antenna goes up. You can, there's a vibe. There's a vibe that goes on in the in the room. Um, but yet here's the, here's the, the the great thing. You've never really been into drugs. It, it never really, was it was it your dad's your dad's behavior scared you off or what, what, how 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 do you explain that? Well, I, it, I explain it a lot in the second book because 
you know, the punk thing got, we got quite deep into a load of stuff. But it's just because it's too much of a commitment. Being a heroin addict is worse than being married. It's like, mm. it's a lifelong mm. commitment, really, unless you're one of the very few people who managed to get off it. Yeah. I, I just can't see what the point of it is. So, and also my dad used to give me very long lectures about it, which I did. I've always been a person who has listened to good advice, not right. not rubbish advice, but, you know, and that was quite good advice. And I was very wary about drugs I started taking drugs more when I was in my mid-twenties rather than a young teenager I mean we smoked a load of dope yeah but I didn't really do any other drugs till I was old enough to make more informed decisions Mm. and I've just been lucky I suppose Mm. I haven't got an addictive personality um I'm I'm worried about this, but we're going to take it. This is Anal Caddick. Good evening. Uh, uh, his anal's name is Alan. Right. We were doing a show the other night about nicknames, yeah. and he came up with the nickname Anal himself. So it's now what it says on my screen. Good. I, I'm, I feel terribly embarrassed. I've just realised how stupid our show is. Now <laughs> we just realised. Now we have a guest. It turns out I'm <laughs> painfully aware that our show is nonsense. Um, anal. Good evening. Evening, boss. Good evening. Hello. I can't. Hello. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Hello. Hey, no, you're speaking to Nettie Baker. <laughs> hello. Have you, hello. Have you been, I don't, you've probably not been listening to the show. Oh, I've only just got up. <laughs> Flipping it. Why, what have you been up to? I don't want to know. Well, let me explain. So, so Nettie is, is, is she's a writer. She's yeah. written several books. Her new book is called Tales of a Rockstar's Daughter. And by coincidence, she happens to be the daughter of the rock drummer Ginger Baker. Now, just bear one second. Who the hell is Ginger Baker? Is, <laughs> your thoughts exactly. Well, your thoughts exactly. <laughs> See, I told you. He's, 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 up, he's probably one of the three, four, if you four most famous rock drummers of all time. And here's something that's really going to float your boat, Alan. She's into horses. Oh, point to all the flat of the jumps. <laughs> Actually, I'm not into horses, but I did used to do polo ponies and then dressage. Alan Caddick has a very special talent. Well, hang on, Alan. Who won the Grand National in 1979? That was Woodstick. And and, and who came third in 1985? That was Mr. Snumfit. There you go, you there see. Go. There you go, you well, see. I've got Red Rum in the National for the third time in my book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Beating Church, Tom Boyne, second. I capture him third. Okay. The garlic in fourth. We've started it now. I can only apologise. <laughs> well, what would you like to say, Alan? Well, did, did you catch Doctor Who on Sunday night? Did we? No, I didn't watch Doctor Who on Sunday night. Oh. But thanks for your call. Um, <laughs> I didn't either. I missed it on purpose. <laughs> Sorry. We should have. I should that have explained great. what no, the I, show is I before you I think I can cope. <laughs> <laughs> um. What, what's going on with boys in this book? This is this is why I love this book, right? Because it is it's about a young girl growing into a young woman looking for love. It's that teenage thing, and except for it never ends. Well, it, it never ends, is it? Does it not? Okay, well we'll we'll give you Alan's number. You can speak to him. Um, but I've never seen this perspective because I'm a boy. Hi. So, Yes, I got the test result back. I am. Wow, finally. But, so I this is like this is like the instruction booklet. For me, I, I didn't. I don't know how this stuff well, works. That's what why all the blokes like it so uh-huh. much. I think. I think it is. Well, maybe it'll change the world. <laughs> but you always seem to go for the wrong ones. Yep. Why was what was going on there? I, the well, sorry. I don't know. I be, I presume because 
well, I don't know. I just find people attractive and I don't really care about their personality. And then people that are nice, I don't find them attractive. You, there is, there's a great bit when there's... there's um, I'm going to get this the wrong way around. There's a couple of guys where you're not that interested in them... But then they say they're not interested in you, and suddenly you go, "Oh, yeah, challenge." That oh, happens every time. I'm interested that's, now. That's uh, quite common with me. Yeah, it is. I know. And also, who is this? Who is this? Is it the Bell? You give, <laughs> you give a lot of them nicknames oh, because I'm afraid I don't think he's ever going to speak to me again. <laughs> well, he comes across as a bell end, if you ask me. <laughs> he treats you appallingly. Yes. Appallingly. Yeah. My first one did as well, but I don't know why I put up with it. But I think because my dad treated my mother appallingly, and I, I don't know. Well, you were waiting for Mister Mister Wright. Well, no, you? there's a thing I do where I think I just try and see how horrible people actually are. It's quite interesting how horrible they'll be. Not that I haven't dumped people and done things like that, which I have many times. But I'm always barely honest about it. I mean, I might say I'm going to marry you and all the rest of it and then say I've changed my mind but at least I'm honest about it I don't lead you miles up the garden path or Mm. just talk rubbish is it the bell where you have an argument and you kind of say look you've either got to marry me or this is over all right then let's get married was it was it I don't think I was actually expecting that answer it's an amazing I was talking to my cousin the other day I was saying Mm, I think you know. Do you know when you do that, and then you think they're going to say bye, and yeah. Yeah. so you're, you're kind of hoping they're going to say bye. Well, yeah, can... it sort of went a bit wrong then, I think. And there's also a really sad bit where you're sat in a car with, I think, with another boyfriend. You go, "Is it worth carrying on?" He goes, "Nah." No, he was the one that said to his friend that he asked me out because he felt sorry for me because oh. I was so ugly. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And he's bought the book, by the way. What have the because people, a lot, sorry for you? No, because a lot of them they don't um, even realise what they've done. Yeah, he must do. But like, has, have you got a clue? If I'd done things like that, I think, oh god, what have they said? But they're they're all like, oh yeah, I'm going to be in it. What have people said that are in the book? Because uh, you because you there is, well, actually, I think there are some. Um, you do hold, pull some punches a little bit. You were telling us about one story. You said actually, I, 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 I kind of hint at what happens, but there's more to it. Um, but it's it's a really honest book. It really is. And you kind of don't really hide much about the way you're treated by men and sometimes the way you treat men as well. What do the people in it say about it? Well, quite a few of them are dead. Thank God. It's a relief. So, <laughs> so you I don't have to worry want. about them. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of them was the bell is fearful. Uh, Max is the one that contacted me after years and he's fine he comes out of it fine so he yeah. just said oh you told everyone I stole a jacket and I'm like I don't think you'll be in trouble for that now it's okay <laughs> and uh, uh, the others I'm like you know waiting for them to see I quite like it really because it's like ha 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 yeah, yeah. was it weird growing up because you hang out with a lot of mu- musicians right you obviously like music you go and see a lot of bands um was there a lot of them going? Oh, she's Ginger Baker's daughter. Let's let's see if we can get an invite. But but did you feel that people were interested in you because of your dad? Um, not with my close friends. My close friends are still my close friends. The girls on the back of the book are yeah. still my like mates. That I speak to every day, practically. Yeah. So not really. I mean, I just had. Really, by the time it was the seventies, I think the teenage world had no idea who he was. Right, and it was just like older people would then say, "Oh, what music's your dad doing?" And I'd be like, "I don't know." Yeah, I didn't know because I didn't care. Because you were into David Cassidy, the Sweet, early, and yeah, and then all the glam rock stuff. Yeah, yeah. was that a rebellion? I don't know. I just, just natural. 
I just liked it. You know. You're right about Slade. I've said this before. Slade are one of the most underrated Brilliant. bands ever. They're like Led Zeppelin, but in two and a half minute songs. <laughs> I think I think they're such a good rock band. I was they're brilliant. Catholic, but I just um, uh, phoned up my kids before we did a little video phone call with my kids and my six year old. I said, what have you done to your hair? He said, I cut it myself. He's given himself um, <laughs> a Dave, Dave Hill. Hill. A Dave Hill. <laughs> he totally is. It's like he's, he's done a Dave Hill. And he went, oh, that's really uh, cool. <laughs> I, I, I put the phone down to Kath and went, well, that's effed up. <laughs> he, I'll show you a picture. He's done a Dave Hill. It's outrageous. Uh, we got another 15, 20 minutes with Nettie Baker. It's such a good book. Tales of a Rockstar's Daughter. Some great pictures in it as well. If you want to give us a call, 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. A star-crossed soapbox for Sailor Boys, oh. Stable Girls, oh, on the and Stripper Grands. It depends who you with and it depends on the situation. Late Night Speech Radio with a difference. Thank you. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. And Catherine Boyle and Nettie Baker up until 11 o'clock. 0344 499 1000 if you want to give us a call. Um, at Ginger B Drums if you want to kind of follow Ginger's official uh, account, which I think is being run by your daughter. It is, yeah. Tonight, um, I, th- she, I think she's sober. It seems to be some good messages. She, you were saying that she's she's is she working for a charity. Or she she got works a charity? for you know she's the uh, marketing campaign manager for Leonard Cheshire Disability. Ah, uh, my mum's in a Leonard Cheshire home. Well, there you there are. There we go. Oh, oh, there we go. Fantastic. And she wanted everyone to know that they've got two carol concerts on. One in Northwich and one in London on the 18th of December. Tickets are available now. Hey, fantastic. They're good, Lena Cheshire. No, my, my, they look after my mum. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, she's really enjoying working there. How long has well. she been doing that for? She's Well, she's been in the charity sector since she was 19. Yeah. And she was at Real and she was at uh, National Deaf Children's Society or whatever it is. And now she's at Leonard Cheshire. Oh, good for her. So she really enjoys it. And it's because she can also look how she wants to look in that sector. And she wanted to prove to everyone that you can look wild and still do a really good job. I like the bit because a lot of your, your younger years is spent around horses and yeah. working in stables. <laughs> and then you discover punk and the the image changes the shaved side of the head <laughs> yep. and the the dyeing of the hair and the um all the you know the outrageous outrageous in inverted commas clothes and you you, you go to a polo match or you go you go to a stables and they go nah not like looking like that you can't and you realized how far you'd kind of come since working yeah well in the i mean yes they were a bit horrified but uh, there's a bit of that where I'm in I'm in this cult underground film called She's a Punk Rocker UK. Okay. Which is done by these guys that we work with called Sid and Zilla who are in a band, punk band that's still going called yeah. Rebella Ballet. And there's a bit in that where I'm interviewed in that where I say the woman like, oh my gosh, wash that out of your hair. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know, I just got stuck into it because my dad lost all his money and then buggered off, yeah. left, went to, you know, off to Italy and I couldn't do anything else. Yeah. I tried to get a job, but... <laughs> Nobody wanted time. I mean, I couldn't do anything. You meant you laughed. You said earlier that when you were younger, you wanted to be an actress, and you kind of laughed at that. Yeah. Is that not? Is that not something you still want to do? Is that little flame still burning somewhere? I don't know. I was always told that I was really good. I passed an exam, a senior exam, when I was ten. Yeah. I used to have acting lessons, and one of my friends, who's in the early part of the book. Louise English. She's still acting and yeah. she's in an advert at the moment. I was like, oh, there's Lou. Um, but her mum was has just passed away, but she was always very good about it and used to say, you're really good. You're really, really good. One of the few people when I was young that ever said anything nice to right. me. Right. Wow. And, you know, gave me some. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether I'd want to do it now or not. I don't know. 
I wouldn't be able to be in anything because I just look a certain way. You know, you have to, I think you have to be someone who can be made up to be whatever to be. Yeah. Or oh, sometimes they go for people who look certain. They want an old slapper. Mutton dressed as Le Lamb oh, or something. No, 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 not at all. You look stunning. I <laughs> Thank think you, you look stunning, Nettie. He hasn't got his glasses on. I haven't. No, but because I deliberately hadn't googled any recent images oh, of really? you because I thought oh, let's, 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 let's just google like... she's a punk rocker some looks in that isn't there yeah brilliant yeah, it was great great but, film actually oh I'm going to have to it. check this out mm-hmm. yeah. has your dad read the book heard, heard any bits of the book have you spoken to him about it no I mean he's not well at the moment no so I think his main interests are doctor's appointments right. really when you get to that age well, I mean he always he he's 79 wow he always knew I was I was doing it. And yeah. when we were doing his, and I'd say, what about this, what about that? For instance, the jokes about the holidays and mm. stuff that I put in, he's like, I'll put it in your book. <laughs> he used to say that all the time. So, I mean, he knew, he was well aware that I was doing it. So, When was um, when was the Cream reunion? 2005. Shut up, was I it know. that long ago? <laughs> I was thinking like four or five years ago. No, it was a long time ago. Flipping heck. Did he do all right out of that? I'd like to think that he... Well, yes, but and it's gone. Then he blew it all again. I mean, I think Eric wanted to do it to help because Jack had just had the liver transplant. Right, yeah. And I think Eric's idea was, apart from that he wanted to do the music again, was to help them. Mm. But unfortunately... Eric is Eric Clapton kind of... And he, you know, he had his own issues in the 70s. He was, he was doing heroin and knocked that on the head and then was boozing a lot. But... Um, you kind of hint a couple of times that he was keeping an eye out for you and for your dad and that um, he paid a bill or he, he did he was paying yeah, the rent uh, or something, wasn't he? Throughout, always, I think he's always been very supportive. Yeah. I mean, he's not like, oh, hello, would you like to come to my house and stuff like that. I mean, that, I mean, yes, we did socialise with him a lot at one time, but like now he's got his own family life, everything, you know, you know moves in exalted circles compared to me but but very supportive always if you need anything or any help or whatever whatever he's definitely in the background offering support i thought that was lovely in the book when because i don't really know a lot about eric clapton but i just thought that was so lovely that even the 70s were a mess for clapton you know but um he still had his eye out for, yeah. for friends and family well yeah he was you know i think he said to my dad i think perhaps you ought to go to work but he still helped out, you know. Have you got Clapton's phone number in your phone? No, no, I haven't. I did used to have, we used to have George Harrison's phone number. Oh. I've got the old phone book with like Steve Winwood's phone number, Eric's have phone really? number. Have you really? Yeah. Oh, I, what a joy to I flick through to that. Think, and I was... mean, I do know some secret email addresses and things, but I don't even use them myself, so, listen, you know. I'm Listen, when we're going to leave the room with a bit of paper and a pen, you write down some rock stars' emails... <laughs> We won't, we won't see how him. Much, how much will you pay me? <laughs> we can go as high as 25 pence, I think, Nettie. <laughs> um, and it is, what, what's lovely is you do talk about people like George Harrison popping round. Of course, it was that weird time when Patty Boyd had left George and was with Eric, yeah. and, and they were all round. You take those off. Take them off. You don't need there's those. There's no one on there, is there? No, there's no one on there. Right. Um, and, and, and they were all kind of round the house. And the, the, the 70s, for a lot of the 60s rockers, seems like such a messy... 
incestuous period, you know, with wives going over to other people. Yeah. And... Although when we spoke to Patty Boyd, yeah. she was very matter-of-fact about it, wasn't she? Very matter-of-fact about it, very well-spoken. And, um, well, this happened, and then I didn't love George, and Eric asked me out, and so I decided to go you and live with You have Charlotte, have you? Have you? Charlotte's great, the one that was with Eric first, the French lady, no. and then she was with Jimmy Page, Ooh. who she's got. A daughter by who's great. She and and Jimmy Page's daughter. She does. She's photographer, makes jewellery. Oh, great wow. girl. So I'm quite friendly with them. But Charlotte's quite an entertaining lady. Oh, we'll have a, we'll have, we'll, yeah. we'll reach out to Charlotte, <laughs> as they say. But growing up as a kid and George Harris. I mean, were you aware of the Beatles? Aware of the Beatles? Because you kind of just missed the Beatles. Well. When I was smaller, because I think my dad was hanging out with them a lot more than he even mentions. Right. And then I remember that I'd said something. My mum had thrown away some dressing up stuff and and I'd said this, like a poem, written a poem or something about you throw away the things, the things I've always wanted. I can see them in the teardrops of my mind or some absolute <laughs> rubbish like that. And my dad thought it was great, wrote it down. And, oh, it's marvellous, you know, the brilliant child. And showed it to George Harrison. He was like, oh, yeah, we should make a song out of it. But they didn't. Oh, that would have been your I mention. What, I could have been, hey, Jude, couldn't I? But it, never mind. You know what it was? It was too good. It was too good. <laughs> So yeah, they were hanging out quite a lot, and as I say, we went. I went to the premiere of Yellow Submarine and met them all. Wow! At, at that very early stage, and then obviously again in the seventies a bit. So, um, so there's volume. So this stops 1984 going into 1985. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the, the 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 end of this is New Year's Eve. Dennis never even tried to have a. De- I don't like Dennis. <laughs> My mother didn't he like a, him he either. Was, he was a boozer, and he treated you like <laughs> shit. But Dennis never even tried to have a decent conversation with me. Perhaps he didn't think girls were capable of it. Never mind. As the bells rang and Father Time handed us the wonderful 1985, I believed he was mine, and there could have been no better feeling, however fleeting it may have been, to be continued. (laughs) What an end! I thought, oh, you cow! How dare you! That's what Chris Welsh said. I want to know what happens next. How dare you! But, um, I mean, Dennis was Dennis was Yeah, but I bet he was a looker. Was he? He was, yeah. yeah. Well, I know my daughter said, oh, my God, she saw a picture of him. Went, what, what's going on? And I was like, yeah, well, to me. At you the know, time, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, you, um, are you happy now? You, you seem happy. Are you happy? Are you... I'm happy now because I've finally, for the first time ever, I've got control of my life and I've got my own identity and I haven't got, there are no Prince Charming's frogs or whoever's in my life and I really like it. Wow. It's the first time I've been like single and been able to and liking it, yeah, and really just completely happy. So uh, I would say, yeah, mainly it's it's good. Yeah. Apart from you know, it's just like the passing of time. It's a bit boring being old. Tell me about it. I mean, I would rather be at parties getting off with young men. If, <laughs> if you'd say, what would I rather be doing? I would rather be doing that. But you know, hey, I'm here, and at the moment, you know, this is. Good, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. It started off really certain I'm happy, and now it's like... Yeah, no, then I was thinking, I'm, I'm always moaning about being old. It's like, I'm bored. No, it's fine, it's fine. It's, it's good, fine. I suppose. Yeah. Oh, parties, though. <laughs> Young men. Yeah, well, this might... People might have parties now, because I've done this, and but they have to be during the day. Well, you, you have, you <laughs> Don't have, lay nights, please. You very kindly invited me and Kath to yes, a yeah. night of debauchery, yeah. it sounds <laughs> it like. Be. Oh, well, in that case, I can't do debauchery. But you, is that the official... Book launch? The book's out now, isn't it? It's out, but then everyone was like, oh, you're going to have a book launch. And I was like, well, you know, that costs money. And, you know, it's like 
you know, whatever you pay out is what you've earned. Mm. And it's not, you know, you don't earn millions and trillions of pounds unless you all out there go and buy 25 books each. But, you so know, what you're saying is there is a kitty and we have to put into no, it. No, no, I mean, I'm, I did a deal with the Ealing Club because I helped them. They've got a film out called Suburban Steps to Rockland and it's all about the Ealing Club, which are the stones and cream and everyone yeah. started off in. And so I got them an interview with my dad and I, you know, see them every six months. We all go and have coffee. And yeah. I thought, oh, I bet they'd do it. And yeah. they'd say, yeah, if you come in with us, we can talk about our film a bit and you can have it in there. And also it ties in because your dad, used to play here yeah, yeah. so it's all part of their thing and there's a band a friend of mine's got a really good band and they're going to play a little acoustic set so can can, can the the plebs come or is it just stars like yeah i know i've been i did it is for the but it, because they've got a limited number i didn't right. realize it was it was like full up oh, within gone. two oh, seconds oh i bet i so bet obviously i want you know closer friends and people that are special get special are get will get on the list and us? so that can be you. That's yes, us, Catherine. We're but going. What we're going to do? It's on the on our fan page on Facebook. Yeah. So I will, if there is any space, we'll reopen it. All right, cool. So well, it's on there, but it's full up at the moment. Um, Sorry. And uh, uh, so, where does volume two, which is going to come out at some point, uh, where does that end? Where does that? Uh, I don't. I just. I just wanted to know whether it, it ends the story or whether there's another to be continued. At the, oh the no, I, I decided always knew it ends in 1987, and yeah. I knew where it was going to end. So it is another happy ending. Okay. And then uh, what, what's next for you then? After the, have you planned ahead? Or well, is yeah, I know what I want to do because it's something I've been wanting to do for about 20 years, which is my master's was, I did a, a dissertation of my master's on Thomas Chatterton, who was one of the 18th century poets who was like their James Dean, who was an influence on, uh, you know, all the romantic poets. And they all wrote poems about him. He, he came to London at the age of, you know, 17. He came into London in the April and he'd have dead by August. Wow. But he was a very prolific wow. poem. So it's going to be Chatterton's last summer in 18th century London. And it's going to be a thousand miles an hour, wow. sleaze, I hope. That sort of thing, almost like a screenplay. Yeah. That, I've wanted to do that for a long time. So. God, that's, I wasn't expecting that as an answer. Flipping heck. Um, and where, where does Dad live now? Is he is he in England? Yes, he's somewhere outside Canterbury. Okay, all right. Well, you know, send him our best. I hope, I hope you know things. <laughs> I hope his health gets better. <laughs> Thank I, I don't you. quite know the situation, so I don't want to say anything that may or may not be appropriate. Um, I loved your book, Nettie. Thank I, I, you. Honestly, I really, I, I, I really, um, really enjoyed it. I think it's funny. I think it's, um, it's like I say, I love the fact it's it's about you. And your dad is, is like this. It's like um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. He just kind of pops in, says a few lines, and then disappears. And then <laughs> yeah. it's back to you. What was it? Um, oh, God, the most miserable scene in it. Um, when you get dumped by someone and you're um, sitting in the dark listening to Face Value by <laughs> Phil Collins. I bet everyone would go, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Things must be bad. I couldn't think of a more miserable <laughs> bit of that. Yeah, that sounds the other sad. Day I thought, oh my god, it sounds really sad. And then Phil Collins is in it just to put the cherry on top. Um, it's, it's, a <laughs> like read. it's a cracker. It's a cracker. I'm going to tweet the links again, but you can get it on Amazon. We we're big fans of Big Green Bookshop as well on here, and I'm sure that they'll they'll have it in the Big Green Bookshop. Just Google Nettie uh, Nettie Baker, Tales of a Rock Star's Daughter. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. What very a pleasure much. to meet you. Thank um, you. Oh three four four. Four nine nine one thousand is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Normal service resumes. This is the late night alternative. Weeknights from ten with Ian Lee and Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Talk and entertainment across the nation. Talk Radio. Give it some lift.